0: This is the InFocus Podcast from The Hindu. Welcome to The Hindu's In Focus Podcast. I'm Zubeda Hamid, your host for today. The COVID-19 pandemic caused not only a health emergency in the country, but also led to mass economic distress with the loss of jobs and livelihoods. India already has one of the lowest rates of women in the workforce, and the pandemic worsened this situation. It forced women into jobs that paid lower rates than pre-pandemic and had added significantly to their domestic work burden. With schools remaining closed, women were forced to stay at home to care for children. In the April-June 2020 quarter, during the lockdown, the percentage of women in the labour force was only 15.5%. But this problem has persisted for years. Despite increasing educational levels among women and decreasing fertility levels, India continues to have not as many women in the workforce as even our neighbouring countries. What are some of the reasons behind this? How is a country's economy impacted when 50% of its population is left out of economic activity? How can policies be changed in order to encourage more women into the workforce? To speak to us about this, we have with us today Sona Mitra, Principal Economist, initiative for What Works to Advance Women and Girls in the Economy, lead Kriya University. Good morning, Sona Mitra, and welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Good morning. Thank you, Zubeda. Sona, the percentage of women in the labor force fell to a record low of 15.5% last year during the April-June 2020 quarter when the country was under the COVID-19 lockdown. India already has one of the world's lowest rates of female labor in the workforce. How badly has the pandemic affected this?
1: So... So, Vedha, let me uh, begin by one of the important aspects of women's workforce and labor force participation in India. I think you have uh, uh, rightly captured it. It is not, but it is not only about one year. It is a decade that we are talking about, more than a decade that we have been witnessing that women's work participation rates have been declining. And um, the, in any case, women's work, uh, labor force participation in India has been one of the lowest in terms of any country which has been into a, um, a high growth regime. So if we compare India with any of these countries which have had these very high rates of growth and have been, and have been marked as emerging economies like Brazil, Russia, China, among the BRIC countries, none of these countries have had such low participation or rates of women. And this has been a paradox and a challenge because what we see in terms of their improvement in uh, what we see in terms of the women's and the girls improvement in education outcomes and uh, decline in fertility rates, both of which have been important factors for increasing labor force participation rates in all other countries except for India. So there has been a challenge and a lot of discussions have happened uh, related to that. One of the important points that highlighted why women's work participation or labor force participation for that matter has been lower compared to other countries was that mm, the burden of unpaid work that women, uh, uh, women performs in India is much, much more severe than what is uh, a way, uh, what we see in any other countries, any other comparable country. Uh, that was one of the important reasons the other thing that i want to highlight is if we look at this years the 2019 20 periodic labor force survey we find that uh, there has been an increase in the labor force participation of women in both rural and urban areas compared to 2018 19 while this is an improvement and a reason for us to uh, uh, reason for us to Probably uh, worry less, but there remains a lot of concerns because one of the most important things is that we are talking about a year which has surpassed an exceptionally, uh, an exceptionally uh, large and looming health crisis. The pandemic has actually created spaces uh, in which women have been incorporated. Uh, But it does not say, but but, but it does not show the fact that women in this entire um, uh, increase in labor force participation does not show that women are actually getting absorbed into activities which do not provide them with higher remuneration, which actually pushes them more into the informal uh, sector, which pushes them more into um, uh, working conditions that are beneath any decent levels. And it also creates uh, another kind of problem for the quality of employment that women are generally getting into. So in the backdrop of pandemic, while we saw there has been a lot large drop in terms of women's participation and a subsequent increase in the rate of uh, labor force participation, there is a quality issue. Could you explain to us a little what this quality issue is, Sona? So the quality issue, if I may say, is basically about uh, something that I just uh, mentioned. One is about the uh, amount of uh, remunerations, the wages received by women uh, has been much lower if we look at the uh, labor force PLFS data on wages. Now, the thing is that women are basically working more earning less. And this is the picture what we get from the PLFS. Right, so they're working. And that is when I say it is a quality issue because if you work more and get less wages, then that's a problem. Right.
0: So basically, your standard of living cannot improve in that case.
1: Absolutely, and you, and we are not yet sure about the working conditions in which they are working. But one thing is sure that any informal sector employment cannot pass the tests of uh, having a decent uh, um, working condition. The pandemic brought with it a lot of economic
0: distress in India, with the loss of livelihoods and with the loss of jobs. Has this badly affected women compared to men?
1: Absolutely. In a sense, that there, there are two aspects to this. One is loss of earnings and livelihoods for women. Once again, I'm reiterating that while we see that the periodic labor force data, recent one that was released in uh, a few weeks ago, the 2019-20, while it shows an encouraging trend of more women into the labor force labor force that is the increases in the labor force participation rates of both urban and rural. Uh, I think one of the important things to consider here is basically what kind of employment women are getting into, and um, that kind the kind of employment that women are getting into is going to tell us about the status of women workers the conditions of women workers in the labor force that has never been something where that has that has given a reason to celebrate and what I think is basically that um in the pandemic uh there ha- because women have faced this uh lack loss of livelihoods and earnings at the moment there has been a there might be a distress induced push for women to get into any sort of jobs which is paying them whatever is the uh, remuneration it might be lower than what they were getting before covid it uh, but still it was acceptable because during covid it may have gone uh, gone to levels to zero levels so there is one aspect of this the second way that women got affected in the covid was the tremendous increase in the already high load of, high burden of unpaid work. One of the reasons for that was uh, the uh, schools getting closed, the childcare centres, anganwadi's remaining closed. Women had to really take care of their children at home. And childcare is one of the core components of of, uh, women's unpaid work. Apart from that, the number of male migrants who returned home in the lockdown, increased the workload of household chores for women in, within their households. And um, thirdly, the health system the primary health uh, centers and others were all busy taking care of COVID patients and COVID regulations and, COVID, and were busy um, uh, um, generating awareness around the COVID protocols and the regular healthcare services that were supposed to be provided from the primary health centers had collapsed, which means that it had also created a a uh, 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 um, um, set of people a uh, set of sick people or elderly people who needed care and all the burden of that care then finally was transmitted into women of the household so there were components of child care, elderly and sick care and increments in household chores which are the core constituents of women's unpaid work and that increased disproportionately for women during the periods of lockdown and the, uh, and 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 this generally, had a very uh, uh, destructive impact on women's um, uh, time use patterns as well as women's decisions for joining the labor force. So there is one where... Women were pushed out of the uh, uh, economy or were pushed out of the labor, labor force uh, due to a direct impact of uh, lockdowns and closure of factories or closure of workshops or reduced economic activities. And then there was an indirect impact of increased unpaid work for women, which basically uh, forced women to take decisions of not joining the labor force immediately. Suna, so you've spoken to
0: us a lot about the domestic work and the unpaid care work that women continue to uh, do in India and which continues to be their primary responsibility. The National Sample Survey in 2019 revealed that women spend an average of five hours a day on domestic work versus only 30 minutes spent by men. So has the, how do other countries tackle this? Has the burden of domestic work lessened for women in other countries? And is that why they are more able to join the workforce?
1: Uh, Globally, if you see, there is always an inequality in terms of the amount of unpaid work performed by women. However, if we look at the advanced countries of the north or some of the other countries, we would find that the inequality uh, in terms of spending time on unpaid work is much less in in uh, in uh, such countries, compared to what we have in India, so for uh, so as you rightly said that women spend five hours on unpaid work and men just thirty minutes. This amount of unpaid work, on an average across the world, um, the women spend around three hours on unpaid work and men also spend more than thirty minutes across the world on unpaid work. Now, this gap reduces when we see a country um, which is uh, advanced in terms of their capitalist development, and this becomes starker if we look at countries like um, uh, countries in the uh, uh, Middle East and North, uh, North Africa region, where uh, we find that um, um, very few women are part of the labor force, and of course, the unpaid work. Hours spent on unpaid work by women in those countries are much higher than men. It is surprising that India, being one of the most uh, one of the forward uh, moving, modern and high growth economy uh, for a very long time, could not achieve this basic um, reduction in the gap of time spent on unpaid work by women and men, and it still continues to be severe. The gap. Many micro studies showed that the gap increased. During the uh, uh, lockdown period, the time spent on unpaid work was increased by almost 60% for women. One of the studies conducted by a very well-known research institute in Delhi showed that women actually spent 60% more time on unpaid work during the lockdown. So it might have just got more severe. Soda, can you talk to us
0: a little bit about another factor? Uh, according to the NFHS, uh, the fully completed last NFHS, which was 2015-2016, uh, women also face mobility restrictions. They don't have access to transport or that they're not allowed to leave the house by themselves. How much does this uh, play a role in their uh, choosing to work outside of the home?
1: Uh Two, two aspects to this. One is safety in public transport and the second is access and availability of safe transport. Uh, so, I mean, access and availability of safe transport. So that is something that actually has shown worldwide to increase women's mobility and therefore their decisions to participate in the labour force. If we look at the formal sector employment, we'll find that uh, there is... Uh, I mean, a lot of women actually have access to safe public transport or safe transport, not public transport, because they ideally uh, either choose to travel by their own uh, transport, own private transport, or they take other forms of private transport. For women, large part of the women or large cohort of the women workers that we are talking about, who have to take up jobs in their vicinity because they are... uh, One, they are hesitant to access the public transport system due to, one, the uh, inconsistency of the public transport system, the non-availability of public transport system, and second, the question of safety in that public transport system. One of the uh, studies two to three years ago conducted um, to measure to see whether uh, uh, buses dedicated to women All women buses had any impact on women's mobility and it has been seen even in cities like Delhi that if there are public transport or buses that are dedicated to all women actually shows that uh, women's decision to travel increases. And uh, that, of course, has a very important positive impact on labor force decisions of women. So one of the major challenges or barriers to women's labor force uh, participation has been about access to proper and safe public transport. So it is not only about the availability of public transport, but also... uh, Safe public transport, and that safety component has many. Um, that safety component has many uh, div- uh, variations to it, many co- aspects to it. One of which is, of course, uh, about um, uh, this entire uh, one of the way in which it can be navigated is one of uh, is by dedicating a uh, transport system where you have reservations for women in the public transport system, uh, uh, a vehicle or a, trans- or a commute which has more women in a single bogey of a metro rail or it has uh, only women in a bus gives more confidence to women to travel and that somehow impacts their decisions to participate in economic activities which is further away from their home. So yes, rightly so, it's a challenge and it has been one of the important challenges for labour force participation. Sona, a recent report suggests
0: that automation in the agriculture sector, which employs about 60% of India's working women, could lead to huge job losses for women. Potentially 12 million women could lose their jobs by 2030. Could you speak to us a little bit
1: about this? That's true. That's very true. Studies have actually shown, an IUH partner study, uh, actually showed that if we use the 2011-12 employment-unemployment data, And uh, that actually, uh, the study used this data to show that actually mechanization, uh, use of um, mechanized weeding systems actually reduced women's uh, participation in agriculture by 22%. This is just one figure. There are also studies... Done by researchers across the country using the uh, employment, unemployment surveys, and the PLFS data showed that mechanization has actually, mechanization of agri- agriculture has actually led to reduced participation of women uh, in agriculture. Now, uh, Punjab and Haryana uh, are one of the few states which have started some skilling programs for women in agriculture. Which means that they have start started training women to I mean and, and that this has been done for a long time. They have started women to drive the tractors, they have started women to teach how to use the mechanized harvesters and weeders. But other parts of the country, even where where, where uh, in those where those parts where of course women in agriculture constitute a large part of the rural workforce. Um no such skill development or no such skill training to uh, uh, provide women with the adequate knowledge to operate these um, machines have been imparted or are being uh, or or uh, there are plans to take this this on board and this generally affects women negatively in terms of uh, losing out opportunities in agriculture with better better methods. Most women in agriculture are usually occupied in doing performing manual activities the transition from manual to mechanized uh, activities would actually uh, create more um, uh, i mean better working conditions for women in agriculture uh, which is to say that, yes, mechanization throws out women uh, throws out women from agriculture, but there is a possibility or there are mechanisms in which women can be sustained or brought back by providing them with the adequate skills and training to operate the machines. And that has to be something that should feature in all state policies. So now another uh, aspect, um,
0: <clears throat> if we can talk about before we get back to the policies, uh, childbirth is a major event for working women in particular what does the data say about the impact of uh, female labor workforce participation and because there's usually a break from employment after childbirth and in India it's negatively associated when women return to the workforce after maternity could you talk to us a little bit about it and how does it impact female labor in both the formal and the informal
1: sector so just very briefly Zubeda two uh, terms are used to uh, describe this event of uh, this life cycle event of childbirth and also marriage in uh, in a woman's life so there two terms in economics are used it's called the marriage penalty and the motherhood penalty and uh, it has been seen that uh, both this uh, these events which are very important in an average woman's life uh, that uh, marriage and motherhood actually creates deterrence in terms of women's decision to participate in the labor force, um, and uh, it 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 uh, not only creates pro- uh, it not only creates the barriers for joining the labor force, but it also creates for, um it also creates barriers in terms of women's upward mobility within their existing occupations. So there are two aspects to it. One is The marriage and motherhood penalty actually uh, delays women's decisions to join the labor force or it sometimes actually puts women out of the labor force because a delayed decision might render women useless in some of the economic activities because lack of experience and uh, higher uh, age cohort might not give her the kind of job that she would be looking for. That's one. The second is... um, uh, on, the, on the job, there is always uh, discrimination faced by women. The marriage and motherhood penalty shows that women have had faced much higher barri- barriers and challenges in terms of getting promotions or rising, moving upward in their own occupations compared to men because of the um, gaps and the leaves that they generally take in their career due to these life cycle events. And that has happened in many occupations. Uh, even in India, we find a lot of it. In fact, uh, to be uh, precise, uh, one of the Iwage previous studies uh, actually showed that um, women prefer to remain within households and invest in care and care of children and invest time. Uh, for children's education rather than get into occupations or get into work that does not provide them with their expected remunerations or their expected working conditions. Um, Expectations being determined by the kind of qualifications that they have, but the lack of experience doesn't provide them with the kind of remunerations that they, the gap in experience, not the lack of experience, uh, just to correct that, the gap in experience or the gap in the years of working uh, to take care of children and marriage does not provide them with the kind of remunerations that they expect at their at a certain age uh, with their kind of qualifications. So they choose to remain in the household, taking care of children and investing in children. So basically what I'm trying to say is that, of course, these Uh, these events have a deteriorating effect on women's careers career choices and of course has a negative impact on women's labor force decisions could you talk to us a little bit about the informal
0: sector we know that now with in the formal sector at least to a certain extent there is some amount of maternity paid maternity leave offered but in the informal sector that that is not possible
1: yeah, the unorganized sector. See, the thing is that in India, we basically do the distinction between organized and unorganized sector. The organized sector is the factory sector where each factory employs um, either has electricity or, and employs more than 10 or has more than 20 uh, persons working in one workshop or a factory. So we have a distinction of organized and unorganized and any legislation or any uh, uh, rights-based um, Women workers' rights-based legislation passed is basically for the unorganized sector. Loosely, we uh, talk about informal and un- unorganized sector interchangeably, but informal is a much larger sector in which we have all more than 90% of women involved and 90% of women workers engaged. So in the informal, there are many sectors which actually need some sectoral policies to overcome the challenges that uh, women face one of those the some of the important sectors that need priority in terms of um, uh, understanding the challenges of informal sector sector work for women are domestic work segment construction work segment and of course the emerging gig work uh, the gig economy it is not only about uh, the uh, usual uber ola or swiggy and zomato that we talk about in the gig work in the platform based um, New, new emerging uh, workforce, women are playing a very important role in, the, in some of the segments like uh, uh, the care economy in terms of uh, providing nurses, maids, cooks, and also in terms of um, uh, in the segment of beauty and uh, salon and spa services. So there are a lot of women uh, involved in, this, uh, in these uh, newer gig platforms, but these are all informal in a sense and that uh, and, the, and 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 um, given that uh, there are i mean there have been some legislations around providing pensions and also providing uh, maternity benefits to uh, part of these informal sector workers but a lot of the segments actually are excluded from this legislation which needs to be brought back into the entire discourse and into the coverage of the legislations
0: Suna, so you spoke to us a little bit about policy change and how this could help women, uh, women's uh, labor force participation. What are some of the ways in which the government could encourage more women into the workforce? And could you tell us a little bit, is there any difference between states? You spoke about Punjab and Haryana earlier, but are there other states that have also taken steps in this direction?
1: Skill development by states have actually uh, picked up in, uh, state. I mean, you see, if we take up examples of Punjab haryana, it comes in the agricultural, this thing, and this is not something new. In Punjab, women have been driving tractors for a very long time, but the new machineries, the new mechanisms of uh, mechanized farming, The skills around that, the knowledge imparted around that always escapes women because it is imparted usually to farmers and women as farmers are not a recognized cohort. Um, That is one of the important policy challenges. And when you ask me what could be policy change, that can, one is, of course, recognizing women as farmers in order to provide them with all the benefits that are announced for the farmers. That's one and that's a very easy thing to do very easily achievable and uh, could be done so that's one uh, that could also improve women's working conditions in agriculture and maybe the kind of dropouts that we see from women in agriculture may be restricted or restrained by such um, initiatives the second uh, thing that and the most and some of the important things that i always say when i'm asked this question are what could be done to improve women's labor force participation is basically one is provide suitable and enabling infrastructure to women to reduce the burden of unpaid work so basically one is provide universal child care services quality centers i mean quality child care centers not those centers which do not have the confidence of women to leave their children alone so basically universal quality child care centers for all working mothers all uh, working women, so they can leave their child in and be in peace in terms of uh, few hours being dedicated to economic activities. Um, proper investments in uh, rural and uh, rural areas and in urban slums and urban low-income uh, localities. In um, investments in proper housing, proper pipe water facilities. Um, Uh, liquid, um, I mean, um, LPG connections, all of the things that electricity, all of the things that reduce women's uh, workload on household chores, because if you have continuous supply of water in the household, if you have a continuous source of electricity within the household, if you have LPG connections in the household, that significantly reduces women's time spent on cooking, cleaning and preserving, maintaining the household. So uh, investments are needed in care centers, investments are needed in housing facilities. And um, other than that, social protection, social protection coverage for all women in unorganized and informal sector, which provides them with some amount of incentives that, yes, if even if we are doing this work, there is some amount of uh, guarantee that we would get in terms of um, uh, if there are any uh, risks involved in this uh, kind of occupation that we are in, there is a social protection coverage for us. Social protection coverage could actually be extended beyond the pensions and the guaranteed employment opportunities and could actually take care of uh, 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 subsidies, uh, provided to uh, female-headed households, or incentives provided to um, women for um, uh, coming back into the labor force, coming back to work in the factories. So it can be in uh, many ways. There is the other question of how we could generate employment for women. Uh, in uh, and that important policy has implications, and that uh, and uh, and that of course. Uh, uh, I mean, this is one of the uh, the supply side part that I've just explained. And there is also the demand side part of how to create employment. And I think targeted employment generation or expanding employment opportunities for women also rests within the policies of incentivization of sectors by providing them with tax breaks or providing them with uh, some export incentives uh, so that they can actually create more spaces for bringing more women into the fold of employment. So, basically there are policies which can actually cater to the supply side requirements and the demand side requirements. Yeah, that's it. That's about it. I mean, I can go on about policies, but these are the few important things that I would like to highlight. (laughs)
0: Lastly, before we sign off, Sona, uh, have studies shown in other countries that an increased uh, participation of women in the labor force makes for a more robust economy?
1: Yes, of course. I mean, there are plenty of uh, numbers, numbers uh, which are going around in the Uh, uh, discourse, the World Economic Forum has its own number, the World Bank has its own numbers, the IMF has its own numbers, which show that um, participation, losing out on participation of women can actually reduce the GDP in an economy by certain percentage points. And it is a fact, because we are talking about 50% of the population. If we keep that 50% of the population underutilized, that is going to negatively impact the economic growth process. Obviously, it is important that we bring that 50%, uh, the 50% of that population into the fold of economic activities. And that could actually provide a much needed boost to the economic growth, not only in any country, but across the globe, where we are actually facing a problem of uh, growth currently or due to several factors, not only the health emergency. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Sona.